Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Randy, what's going on this week? Hey, Don. Uh, I think I just got hired by a firm in Orlando to get SMS working with Slack. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in addition to our little project I'm referring to, um, this week has been well I, the normal, you know, working with clients, um, talking. Uh, I have a, a number of conversations with startup founders. Some are clients, some are just people that have asked to have coffee. Um, you know, always having conversations with folks that are trying to understand how products are built um, on the tech side, um, develop coding development side, and it almost always I don't talk much about code. I talk about product development and business type of stuff that people are skipping before they get to the tech. So that's been an interesting part of the last week and a half. Um, and then I just had the normal client work I do that has taken up most of the time. But uh, also on the side for me has been I started, I kind of put a halt on HOA Done, which is on the Rails kind of web stack. And I took a step back to focus more on kind of advanced node development, which I've always dabbled in. I know plenty of JavaScript and I taught Node and JavaScript before, but I never felt like I've truly flushed out everything I know on the Rails stack onto the Node stack. And so I finally kind of said, you know what? I really want to put a production level thing together with Node just so I can understand how how the Node side maps to what I've always learned and done with Rails. So that's kind of been my side project stuff. Nice. Um, But but it's always one of those things that, you know, you have to, in this business, I think, when it comes to learning, you got to take the time when you get it and then punt it um, as other priorities come up. So it's always kind of a disjointed process versus the focused learning that you always want to have. Uh, what's going on with you? So going to be up, going to stay up all night tonight. Uh, not uh, not working on code, but we're <laughs> uh, we're about to take off to New York. Uh, my son's high school band is going to march in the New York City St. Patrick's Day parade. Nice. Um, so we're leaving. Uh, we're leaving from the high school at three a.m. on the Friday before. Um, driving down to the airport and taking off from there. When we land, we get on the Staten Island ferry. We go into the city and we play tourist all day. So we're, we're starting the day at 3 a.m. Okay. And, <laughs> and I'm staying up all night. We're starting the day at 3 a.m. Playing tourist all day, getting back to the hotel at 1130 p.m. Friday night um, for, for an 8 a.m., uh, wake up time on St. Patrick's day. So, uh, it's going to be an exhausting trip. Um, but it, it'll probably be a lot of fun for the kids. Um, my son's never been to New York. My wife Mm -hmm. is chaperoning as well. She's been to New York for about 12 hours. And I think all we achieved in that time was taking the subway down to get on the ferry to go to, 
uh, the Statue of Liberty to only yeah. to find out we'd missed the last ferry. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so. New York, New York is so like, I've been in Chicago for 18 years and my two trips to New York, still the scale of that city still amazes me despite being in what is a big city to so many Midwest folks. Um, sure. I don't know. Is it, is the parade rowdy? Cause the St. Patrick's day in Chicago is a rowdy parade from my, my memories. I'm not sure what New York. I like. have no idea. I'm about <laughs> to find out and I'll report back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let us know how rowdy it gets for you and the family. <laughs> Will do. So, so I wanted to bring, I wanted to use this topic that we're going to talk about today while, while you were down in Orlando, cause it seemed like a perfect fit, but then we had an even better fit um, when you were here. <laughs> so I'll bring it up uh, today. And, and that is the topic of remote work okay. uh, or, or working out of the office. Now we've talked a little bit about work environments and, and what, how best to prepare a work environment. Yeah. Um, but remote work is another one. So my history is that starting in 2001, I started remote work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was with IBM. IBM was one of the first to really embrace it. Um, they were they were ahead of the curve as far as that goes. They were trying to reduce real estate costs. Yeah. Um, so the way to do that was to move everybody to their homes. And they later um, dumped it first. And and they, they've come full circle because they've just now in the last year, I believe, tried to pull everybody back in. Yep. Um, for, for a lot of reasons, one of those reasons being the U.S. employee contingent of IBM is incredibly smaller than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's one of the reasons I chose to leave IBM without really digging into that too much. Yeah. Um, but that that's that they have gone full circle. So um, I have a friend who has his own business, has developers, uh, lives in St. Louis, and he he would talk about how he's having trouble finding developers in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, and and my response was always, why do they have to be in St. Louis? And um, his response was, so I can watch them work. Um, he, he, he was a suspicious individual. Um, it, I, I say was, I, I assume he still is, um, because I don't think that has changed a whole lot, but, um, in general, I'm a, I'm a fan of remote work. Aspire EDU is a hundred percent remote. None of us work out of the same office. Um, and it, it works for us. There yeah. are, there are benefits, there are, there are cons and we'll come through, we'll go through all that as we talk. Yep. Um, construction specialties is mostly remote. Um, we actually just added a home office uh, and, 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 and by home office, I don't mean in the home, I mean a base. Um, and the reason for that was for clients. Yeah. Um, we, we had a client say, we, we require a site visit of your office because we don't want it to be people running business out of their bedrooms. I'm running a multi-million dollar 
business out of my bedroom, but you don't want it running out of my bedroom, fine. I'll go rent a $500 a month office or whatever mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they need. So, um, so that's real. And, and, and the other reason is we do have a new person on, on the, the team. Um, and it was easier to bring her up to speed in an office environment. Could she eventually go remote? Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so real quick, that's my history. And I think that's probably the best place to start is our histories of, of being remote. Um, now I said it started in 2001. Here it is 2018. That hasn't really been 17 straight years of remote. There was a tour there, there, there were a couple of instances here or there where I'd have to go back into the office, um, yeah. based on the job. But we can we can talk to those when we get to that. So, what's your experience with with working and managing remote? So, I worked at a company for ten years. That was the most. That was the longest job or like tour duty I ever had with a firm. And I was always in the office, and then it was five days a week, normal business hours, really no extra like hours at all. And then I took a one-year period of time when I worked as a contractor slash running my own consulting company and worked remote. And I worked at my house. I had a dedicated desk in a small den section of a very small apartment. And then I realized I wasn't that productive. I wasn't doing very well on the consulting um, sales part. And I went and took a another job. So I was back in an office for another year. Then I worked for a consulting company that really was largely in the office for another two years. And then I went to work for a a firm based in Evanston called Innovations for Learning, and they had an office. But the philosophy of the executive director was I've got an office. I like to do meetings in there sometimes. Your team can use this office if you want, but it doesn't matter to me. Um, Find the right people for the job, but I'm not concerned if you work in here any number of days, but it's here. And I ended up building a team that was largely based in Chicago because of contacts and we all worked together in the office. But over time, over the time of this, of my year and a half term there, people in the office started to say, I don't like the commute. Um, and Slack had kind of grown up as a new tool. And we found ourselves skipping Mondays and Fridays and working three days a week. And then that became two days a week. And we didn't see a decline in productivity. And so the team eventually became almost 100% remote. And then when I left and the other team took over, they kind of scrapped the whole idea that they needed an office at all. Um, and so it's a really interesting um, – that was the interesting transition because the last two years I've been working out of a dedicated home office. Um, when Megan and I moved to a new uh, apartment, we chose a place with three bedrooms – specifically so that she could have her own office and I could have my own because we knew we were going to be working remote. And that was like, that's been the last two years. And this has all been 
based on kind of a choice of my own, but also the evolution of the, my network and teams that I've been working on. So I've gone, I've done both. I've done the, the kind of the full office mode for a number of time for a while. I've definitely done the, the mixed kind of approach and now I'm a hundred percent remote. Um, at least right now I am. And I would say I like the remote better and I don't see any remarkable difference in productivity of my teams as a result of one way or the other. So that's my experience um, in the sense of what remote, like where my career path has gone and my experience with both types of work environments. Sure. So back to back to the reasons people or, or managers or executives don't like remote. Um, there, there, there's the one where my, my friend said, I want to see people working, which they're not slamming a hedge sledgehammer down. They're not um, manually picking product off shelves. I'm not sure what he expected to be seeing. Yeah. Um, but that's one reason is just the trust factor. And, and this particular person's not the most trusting person. So that, mm -hmm. that I think is, is a big, um, requirement, uh, in order for, for an executive team to want to go to remote work is the ability to trust the team. Um, other reasons are um, one of the ones I mentioned where it was uh, client yeah. reasons. Um, clients come into the office, they want to meet with the team. Um, that also can be managed through scheduled meetings um, to where you have a base office that people come into when there's a scheduled meeting with a client mm -hmm. um, and otherwise work remotely. Um, but that's another reason why um, executives may want, um, in person work. Um, what are some of the other, what, what are some good reasons for working in the office? So going back to my, the example of, um, innovations for learning, we, when, when my team started, when I brought on the Four, we had, I brought on three people to a team of myself and another person that were already there for a little while. We put together a team of five to six people, and we had a crushing deadline. We had a huge volume of work, and we needed everyone on this team to routinely work, communicate, test, refactor in this really fast paced cycle. And because of this scenario we had, um, being in person worked terrific because the designer could turn around, show us a quick design in person, explain things. We could give a question back. I call it the fidelity of the communication was very high and we needed it for that term. As the project moved to a more stable, reasonable workflow, that fidelity didn't matter as much. So I would say that a reason why remote for some managers doesn't work is that they 
rightly or wrongly, think that they need that fidelity all the time in their communications. I need to be able to say out of my mouth and to your ear with only air between, this is what's going on. So that's one reason that I can understand and have seen the benefits of. The trust factor, being able to look over people's shoulder, knowing that they aren't, in quotes, slacking off. Um, I laugh when people tell me I have to see people working because it, to me, is a very immature approach to management of people. And I'm just kind of blunt with that. But it is a trust factor. And not to say that every employee you hire is always trustworthy, but the idea that they went through your, in, I guess, hiring practice where you looked up, like you, if you did hiring well and hire people of high quality, good references, previously shown work ethic, why would they change, uh, like just working for you? That's the big question I would have. But that, that trust factor is the other one. Um, but really, it, to me, the communication is the only reason Look, I guess the only reason that is worth a salt to me, the other one is vanity. And I mean it like this. There are people that go into a WeWork office and think that having that space that looks like that, I shouldn't say it's not WeWork, it's the style of a WeWork office, which is they they think that the an office space with people in it that they can see means something to their level of success. Sure. And I have seen, in my, even in the company I worked at for 10 years, the person that had founded the company, I saw her go through a phase where she kind of felt the growth of the office space and more people in it meaning something. And then she started over time to say, you know what? This doesn't matter as much. It's not about the number of people and whether I can see them in our office is fancy, it's really like what's getting done here. And I saw that change over time. And I think that there are people, and usually it's younger um, in the on the scale of experience of management, that feels that being in a certain space with the, the people there means something to I'm arrived, I've made it. And... It's just not, to me, it's not a very good reason, but it's something that I think maybe it's one of those feelings that people need to overcome to realize that that's not an important reason for any choice, whether it's remote or not. Um, The vanity part of it doesn't, shouldn't be a factor with whether you're happy to have an office or to have people coming to you or coming to one spot. So the, the only other... Uh, or some of the other reasons would be just that I physically need people to be working on something in the same space. That could be because if you're working on a piece of hardware, you can only afford one test item and everyone that needs to be working on it needs to be there. That would be more of an industrial type space, but it's a valid reason. Why do people need to be in this one space? We've only got so many prototypes and they need to stay in this room. I can't let it out. Like, I get that. That that makes sense. I've seen design offices in Ravenswood where I near where I live and I can see like oh, they're doing prototypes for textiles in here. 
How would you do that at someone's house? Like, I don't, I don't know how that would work, um, given that you have an employment base that may not be all in the same neighborhood. That makes right. sense to me. In our field, because we're talking so much about technology and development, it doesn't, it just start, those reasons, those physical reasons kind of fade a lot. And I don't see as much of a reason for them. So that's kind of what I typically see. I, I think I know who you're talking about in St. Louis. And I totally, <laughs> and I totally can see, yeah, I get it. I understand why you feel that way. I, I guess the, the, uh, the, I, I, the, the one thing that I have always, I've always ended the conversation with people pretty quick when they say the, the when the same conversation comes up that you said, I am having a heck of a time hiring people in city X and then I find out, well, they're limited to only people willing to drive to this one corner of City X. It's not even just the City X. Like, there's people in Chicago right. that won't come up to the north side where I am because the, all the growth of the hipster class and the tech is all on the west side now. And that's a big factor to me. If I'm trying to hire someone even in the city of Chicago, not every neighborhood is easily accessible by public transport or cars. I mean, it takes someone, if you were to draw a beeline from my house to the west side of Chicago where all the growth is, you could probably run there faster than you could drive a car in some cases because the traffic to here just doesn't work very well. Sure. And that's to me like, wow, I'm going to limit myself to only people that want to, that live near Wrigley Field and North. Like that doesn't make any sense from a, a employment supply type of search. But that's where some people limit themselves, right? And 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 you transitioned into what are the benefits of of remote work, and and that's that's the first one we'll 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 go over here, and that's that's availability of worker, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, you're absolutely right. Uh, if if you're working remote, your commute is almost nothing, yeah. um, and. There are, there are lots of benefits when it comes to removing the commute. It's not only the hour in, hour out, give or take an hour. Yeah. Um, it's also the, I've got to go pick up my kid from school this afternoon. Yes. Um, I got to go see a doctor this afternoon. If you're, if you're actually in a, an office, You've just added the amount of time they're going to be away from work handling those side things. Yep. Because all those side things are not near work most of the time. They're near home. Um, and and I find it I find it fascinating because you live in a city with decent public transportation. Yeah. I live in a city with very little public transportation. Yep. So I find it interesting to hear you say that there are parts of the city that just aren't accessible by public transportation because that's always the uh the 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 dream right is that every part of the city is touched by public transportation okay so there's a difference between accessible and convenient and i can take an uber from my house to the we'll say fulton market west loop the the hottest parts of the business community right now are are growing like west of the chicago loop it takes me 20 minutes to 25 to 30 minutes to get there by car. It'll take me a flat hour by public transport. 
And that's the difference. It's accessible. It is not convenient. And that, and, right. and, and I think you're seeing, they're, they're seeing big changes in transportation because of that convenience versus accessibility issue. So that's, that's what I was sure. talking about, I think. So, so, so that, that whole thing about, um, about the commute and, and the distance away from home is one of those big benefits of, of working remote. Yeah. Um, I do, I do think there, I'm not going to advocate everyone should do remote all the time. No exceptions. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And, and we're, we're, we're first, we're going to push away any examples of non-information work. Okay. So, so manufacturing all that, that's pretty obviously, and if it's even possible remotely, it's an edge case. Yeah. Um, we're we're going to talk about the information economy. Sure. Um, so your example of bringing the team together to start something mm-hmm. is, is exactly where we were with one of my projects at IBM. Um, we had, oh, how can I phrase this? <laughs> we had... An extremely large client on the south side of Orlando <laughs> that is in the uh, consumer entertainment uh, market with lots of cartoonish characters. Um, Chuck E. Cheese? Was, no, not Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> that, no, not Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> um, that... So, so IBM had a, had a contract with them and yeah. we went on to their site worked out of one of their computer, um, one of their server buildings, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's where all the servers were and they had cubicles, you know, probably a hundred, 200 cubicles. Um, but that was one where I went and for IBM, I was the initial, we, I was the initial executive in charge of that project. So, mm-hmm. We went there, we took over a conference room. I brought in, oh, it was probably 13 people from all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and they came in and we all worked out of that one conference room for two to four weeks based on how long it took them. Um, but they would come in, they, they all stayed in a hotel. They, uh, they would come in They for the day, they'd go meet the subject matter experts of the applications they were working on mm-hmm. um, for a couple hours, come back to the conference room, distill that information into a document. I'd go over it with them. And and there was no way to do that remotely effectively. Yeah. We were able to do a, a full knowledge transfer. Aren't full, full's a strong word, but I'll, I'll use it. a full knowledge transfer within a month that would not have been as effective if it was just phone meetings the whole time. Yeah. Um, so it, it certainly was um, effective to have everybody there. Plus it was a brand new team to me. Um, I was limited. How can I, how can I phrase this? I was limited in the resumes of the people I could bring in yeah. for that for that particular job. So I also needed to greet these people, get to know them, establish that trust before yeah. releasing them back out to the remote work world. Yep. Um, 
And, and that was another reason to have everybody in one space. Now, after that month, 10 of those 13 people went away and there were just three of us left in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we, we went to the office most days. We would try to trade off days where one of us would take a day from home here or there. Um, but for the most part, this client liked seeing, <laughs> I won't say like seeing us on site. Yeah. Um, I will say like to know that we were on site. Yep. Um, they, we, they very rarely interacted with us on site. Um, but it, they, they like to know we were there. So, um, so again, I can, I can back up the reason of starting with a team, um, mm-hmm. starting a new member on, on the team is also, it, it's a reasonable thing to want to start a new member in person. Yep. Um, it's it's hard now at Aspire Edu. We've never done that. Mm-hmm. We we have always started new people remotely, and I'm not going to be rah rah on remote work on on this particular occasion. There are times when that's a bit tricky. Yeah. Um, to to start a new person again, you you can have all the conversations you want. At the end of the day, it's just tough. Yeah. Um, and Certainly starting a new person, I, I, I feel probably works better in person. It yeah. can be done remotely. Um, and that is the price you pay for being a remote company is that you're never going to be able to start anybody in person. Probably. Sure. You might be able to fly them in. But if you don't have a home base to begin with, a base office to begin with, you can fly them in and then you're meeting in a coffee shop. You're you're renting a, a WeWork or a Regis office yeah. for a week or two, that sort of thing. Um, and then then you start to worry about, is that even effective enough to, to incur those costs? So maybe I don't maybe this is the right point to bring up this my opinion on one factor here. I feel that if you're looking at the pl- the plus and negatives of hiring someone in per that works in person with you versus hiring like hiring any person or the best person you can find with a proximity requirement versus finding the best person for the job with no proximity requirement I feel like the value the benefit the advantage you get with the best people is way above any anything about the proximity advantage you, you have, if that makes sense. Like, if you say, hey, I think in an information-type role, information-based economy business, that, like, what's more important, proximity or hiring the best people? I think that the best person completely beats whatever advantage you have with proximity, because I feel like the best, Agreed. the best people just don't make that a factor of it's in the way, or I need to be face to face with you to be productive because that's why they're the best. Cause it does. That is a, something of very low, like communication is vital. I wouldn't, that probably communications above that almost, um, or very equal with the best people, but you can solve communication in remote. That is not an unsolvable problem. It's that right. that proximity thing just doesn't factor in. If I can hire the best people for the job at a rate I can afford and make 
like be successful with the company, that proximity thing, it, that, that is just not a trait that beats that to me. And that's that's why that's why we've gone down the road we've gone with Aspire Edu. Everybody being remote. Mm-hmm. Um, a, we don't have a a base office, but B, it allows us to hire the best person for the dollar. Yep. Um. Uh, so so that's that's why we've gone that direction. Um. So what other, so we talked about commute. Um, are there truly other benefits to work? Well, let me, let me start this way. Another benefit to working remote. Um, not everyone is wired to work eight straight hours a day. Yep. Um, so if you force a office environment or this, this actually goes to a slightly broader prod, uh, topic. Mm-hmm. If you force a nine to five hourly schedule, you're not getting the best time out of the people. Yep. Um, I personally for both companies, it's, it's a case of I'm not working from nine to five. I'm working from nine to some indeterminate time after five, depending on what I'm doing that day. It's the flexibility Um, of the work cycle is what you're talking about. That's the way I've always phrased it. And I completely agree with you that highly productive people are busy with all sorts of stuff. Even, and I know that you may hire them to work on your business um, for a chunk of time, but I always assume that highly productive people are productive at many things or at least have things going on in their lives where they're not chained to a desk all the time. And so after we commit to what needs to get done, then it's kind of on them, all of us, to work where our communication connects at the right times, but not our everything must be done in a time box because proximity is part of the requirement. That's what I, that's what I think you're talking about. For sure. For sure. And, and for better or worse, cause there, there, there is a for worse part of it. Working remotely leads to working outside of hours. Yep. Um, and, and there are, there are definitive positives and negatives of that. Um, but if the business takes you to a place where you already at times have to be working outside of hours, then that the negative of that goes away. Uh, for, for example, for construction specialties, we get called 24 hours a day. Yeah. Um, if somebody's working nine to five in the office and they get called outside of nine to five, then that's additional time on their part. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if they're working remotely, it's probably not additional time on that part, their part. And that's, that is described in there when we bring them in that, hey, sometimes things are going to happen outside of, of the normal nine to five hours. Yeah. Um, so so that's certainly uh, that's a that's a double edged sword um, that that particular one. Well, is. I think, yeah, it is. And I think that it's on the man. It is on the manager or the leaders to 
reconcile the differences in those work cycles between people, between the individuals on their team. So, and, and I'm not talking about time zones necessarily, it's probably a part of it, but it's always, whenever I run my remote teams, I have a very good sense. I could, I could, you could say, what's that person's work schedule? What are, the, when, when do they get stuff done? I can tell you both their work cycle of productivity, and I can also tell you, so if you said, you need to give this person an important message, I'll be able to tell you, well, I need about two hours to get it to them, or I can send it to them, they may or may not respond, or I know in a certain window, they understand that I will be in touch. And my the biggest time difference I've had with anyone is um, someone that works with me from Japan. And it's always like drop, like I know I'll get a response in a heartbeat if it's between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. Like I'll get it really quick. Times outside of that, it might be a bigger gap. If it's in at 8 a.m. in the morning, no chance. Like there's a big, that's when they're either going to bed or they are clocking out for the night on their side. So I think it's like you, it's on the manager to make the time, the work cycle differences for remote work for the team and not against it. That's that's my opinion on the right. whose responsibility it is to make those d- changing times, and that's harder. And that's why some managers they want everyone to be on their cycle. And if they if they have agreed that their cycle is nine to five, right. it's great to have everyone come to to what I want to have happen. And I guess I've just gotten right. away from my time my timeline being the determining factor of who gets to work with me, I guess. Right. So I used to, when I was with IBM, um, we had many projects where we were working Mm -hmm. with teams in India. Um, and this is, this is a story about the, the abuse of the Mm -hmm. time schedule flexibility. Um, as the managing executive, I was expected to be available (laughs) when India started their day, Um, either started their day or ended their day. Um, And sometimes both. So that would mean business Mm -hmm. calls at 1 a.m. in the morning. Um, I am a late night person. Okay. Let's, let's put that out there. I'm, I'm a late riser. I'm a late to bed person. You're not getting my best at 1 a.m. in the morning when it comes to managing a project, when it comes to um, discussing the business aspects of it. I'm better at other things at 1 a.m. in the morning than I am sitting on an (laughs) hour-long conference call. Um, which, in which we accomplished <laughs> very little, but that's, that's, yeah. that's ir- irrelative of time. Um, and, and more to the structure of, of IBM. Um, and the problem was even exacerbated further when I was in California, um, working for IBM, they also wanted me on the phone at 11 PM. So, uh, that, it, to my East coast adjusted yeah. body, that was one hour even later. Um, so it, it, 
that that's a that's a story of abuse of of flexibility a time which executives do feel they have sometimes when yep. they uh, yep. when they move you remote um so I, I we're 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 close on time here what did you have any other um, either benefits or or de- detractions from working remote. I have a lot of opinions on this. Let me see if I can race through a couple. Um, first, <laughs> this is kind of this is not going to be well organized. Talking to the other people that I have worked with that are remote and they work for companies that are half and half. Um, I see remote work best in the scenarios that I've experienced or talked to people. If you have people on site and then they get to do conference meetings in person, and then you have this contingent of people that are on a conference call speaker in the middle of the room, those meetings hurt the remote folks tremendously. It. I've heard constantly I have heard the feedback of, yes, I work remote on a team where the majority of people are on site. I don't hear most of the meetings or I don't get any kind of like things aren't clear. There's a lot of side chatter going on about important subjects that I don't know. Things are talked about in the meeting and I'm left out or I don't really have context. They lose a lot of context in those scenarios. And there are and the companies that are doing well with remote actually don't have conference calls where any of the people that are present are next to each other. It's like, no, we do these meetings completely remote. Even if you happen to be in the cube next to another person, we all call into the conference line and act like we're separate. So it's really important that, again, the leadership of the team takes it upon themselves to understand that, hey, if you're going to value both your local and remote people the same, you have to keep the communications balanced. And doing half and half can be detrimental to the remote people. They always have a disadvantage in that one scenario. Um, The other item, or another item, is the work environment in the remote person's workspace. when I did, again, when I did sure. my first round of, in remote work, I was in a small den in my, in a, a very small condo that I bought before I met Megan. And so I had this little workspace kind of dedicated, but it was still kind of, it was in a walkway. It was not really private. And I would say that sometimes it was really hard to get work done because Megan wanted to live in her house and I'm kind of there too trying to work. And then if I ever moved to the sofa, I just never got as much done on a sofa. And then if I worked at our kitchen counter, my back would hurt after an hour. And I really found value when we moved up to our home that I we had a dedicated office in the house that really I could close a door and have silence. And I had a desk that was built to my desired um, ergonomic system. And I got a chair that was comfortable and I had my, my monitors. And I found that the more control I had over my office space really made a big difference for how much, how, how productive I was in remote. And also when I'm in conference meetings with people, if I have... Megan singing in the other room or the TV on, which doesn't happen anymore, but when it did, it was like, I can't do this call here. 
And so I do think this is not on the man. This is only on the manager in the sense that what I do with people that are working remote, I get a sense of their experience with the remote work. Like, have you been working 10 years in an office provided to you where you've had a closed door office or a cubicle? Well, that's a lot different than working at your kitchen table when you have a house full of four kids or something, or you have pets that just really want to be around you all the time, or you have a significant other that watches TV in the room right adjoining. So I really talk to them at length about what is your work environment when you work remote? And if they're like, oh, I just go to the local Starbucks, I'm like, okay, you're going to have to prove to me that that's productive for both the time that you work and when you are on conference calls with me. Because if I hear a coffee shop in the background, that distracts me on the meeting, and that's a problem. So so that doesn't mean that I'm like, you can't do meetings in a coffee shop. It just means that, hey, there's a certain the majority of your time has to be in a environment that is productive, regardless if it's in an office with me or an office by yourself. And that's very important for us to, to make sure is happening. So there's a lot that goes into that consideration. And then um, I think the last message I would have is for the person that's getting into this line of work at the ground level. Um, I am no longer in a position of my career where me shaking hands and meeting people is as vital for my climb up the network or up the experience ladder or what have you. And I tell, I said this to my students um, at Northwestern in the boot camp. It may be your goal to work remote one day. It may be your goal to work as remote as soon as possible, but do not um, think or do not, don't fail to consider the fact that the majority of people give a, there, there's a, an advantage to being in front of managers and in front of people that will either teach you things or push you up a ladder. And it's political. Yeah, that's it's a, that's kind a very of, good one. It's not gross in the sense. It's just more of the advantage is who's in front of a person and who's at the top of their mind. And if you, if, if the entire team is remote, then okay, you're probably, there's not as much of an advantage. But if the company is half and half, and especially if you're very low on the totem pole or trying to learn a lot, consider sucking it up and going into an office as much as you can because that face-to-face means so much more at the entry level than it does at the senior level. And so I told my students, if you're looking at a small startup that is completely remote, I'm going to ask you what you're hoping to get out of that gig if it's not just pure experience on the code you're working on versus the networking Go, moving up the ladder of that company, what have you, because it just in a bigger office type of company, that face to face has a different meaning from the t- bottom to the top, and I think it's worth consideration on that side of the career right. base. From the manager side, I just to to this day I still can't fathom, or I I, I have no sympathy 
for the complaint, I can't find anybody in this labor market that is willing, like where I am, because what I want them to attach to that statement is, I don't, I can't find anyone good in this labor market who's willing to drive to this part of town. That's what I want them to attach because it sounds so dumb for an information company to make that statement, um, in my opinion. So that's my slew of (laughs) remote. (laughs) No, that, that, that was a good. That was a good wrap up. And and you ended right back with where I started, which was my friend in, in St. Louis, because yeah, I, I have very little patience for that argument as well. So that conversation between he and I was about two minutes. And once I got out of him that he needed yeah. to physically see butts and seats, I was like, okay, well, I know your personality well enough to yep. know I can't convince you differently. Um so, so yeah, I have no patience for, it and, and I have no patience for seeing it. Now we're, we're at Aspire yeah. EDU. We're trying that we're trying somebody new in the information field, um, remotely. Now that there is a small benefit in that he is actually yeah. just a few miles away from one of the yeah. other developers. So they could get together if they chose to, uh, but we're, we're trying Now that said, his previous industry was, um, I'll say yeah. it was a remote industry. It was, it was a self-starter industry. So he already had that mentality of, I can't just sit on my couch all day. I've got to actually do work. So um, that was never a con- concern of mine on bringing him on board because I, I had the feeling that So let me that throw out another attitude. consideration for the remote worker, not the manager, but the remote worker. And this is this doesn't matter if you're entry level or senior. Mental health. Um, I am a okay. quasi-introvert. It doesn't always come out um, in the people that know me well, but I just know myself. And when I first did remote work, I got lonely and wanted that energy of people around me. I don't want to talk to them necessarily, but I thrived more on being in a busy space. And I didn't really understand that. I was like, why am I restless? Why am I, do I need to go to this coffee shop where I have the worst ergonomic kind of situation when I had this great little office space? And... I do think that there are people that need to understand how who they are. Are they introverted? Are they extroverted? Where do they draw their energy from? Can they work in a loud space? Can they work in a quiet space? It may be that you can work remote, but you need to be in a co-working space. You need to be where there's other people. And so a home right. office, like don't confuse a remote work with I work from home. It may not be in the spot where the company is Correct. centrally located, if at all. And the other thing is to know, like, do you get depressed if you are alone in a room for an extended amount of time? Does it feel so lonely that you're unproductive? Do you need other people around you? Do you need a community of some kind? Um, are you getting out of the house enough? Uh, and these days, Megan can come home. She's like, like, how did you go out today at all? And I'm like, I haven't been out of the house for two days. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to the gym, you know. And yeah. so it, it like I I'm no longer in a spot of my life where that has mattered as much. But 
Um, and right now with the weather, the way it is, I'm happy to be home for two straight days, <laughs> but, but the, it's very, very important for people in a remote work situation to take, um, stock of themselves and personality and mental health to know, is this, is, is my environment healthy for how I work? And that's, and the remote work can, can feel like it forces someone to be working from their couch when it's like, no, 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 you can still have a very small apartment, but you need to find a way to rent space with other people in it. So that's, that's part of your work environment. And, and the flip side is you may go to a co-working space and be completely distracted, which I find myself a lot when I have tried to do that. And so I'm like, I need a closed space that at most a cat is like trying to get my lap and that's about it. And that's the, that's what I need for focus. So I, I feel like that's really important for people to think about when they consider remote work on behalf, like that they're going to be a part of. And I don't think it gets talked about very much because it's more about the remote work is cool or remote work is great for everyone. And it's like, yeah, but it needs to be done differently based on the personality, I think. Yeah, and that, that that's absolutely true. And I think um, I've worked with various people um, uh, with one of them right now. We're on the phone a, a lot of time during the day. And I think that's part of the personality. I think they need mm-hmm. that touch. Yep. Um, in order to be productive, uh, we're not, we would be productive if we weren't on the phone for, for the time we are, but I, I will even give her the, the, the credit that we actually get a lot done when we are on the phone together. Yeah. So, um, we, we, we do a good job there. So, all right. So what's coming up in the next week? Um, I'm going to be working on the, on that little project for you with you uh, um, remotely yes remote, <laughs> remotely well you're in new york so it's remote from you're going to be completely remote i might actually i might fly down to orlando and just take your house while you're gone because your temperatures look better than mine for the next week you're welcome i will take care of the cats that's not a problem <laughs> but the i'm gonna continue i've got a couple of like deliveries for clients i'm gonna be doing and then mainly a lot of node kind of hackery stuff. And I guess that's all I can see right now on the calendar. So I'll be pretty busy with all that. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested in seeing where this, uh, this node journey of yours takes you because Mm. this is the first time that we've known each other, that we're both working really kind of on the same technology. Yep. Um, We did that a little with Drupal. Yes. Um, but you were never really, I never f- got the feeling you were really, uh, sunk into that. Cause that, that coincided with Ruby and, uh, yeah. and rails and, and those two, those two are like oil and water for the most part. Yeah. Um, rails was so much to me better, I guess. I, I, and it, for, it is. It, sure. Yeah. And I mean, Drupal is making me the money though. So, <laughs> so at the yeah, time exactly. <laughs> it just changed. Yeah, node, node. I I hear what you're saying. I did, I did not think about it that way, but I did think when I started looking at, it, I'm like, oh, well, at least now I can talk to Don about the the server side of things. 
so yeah that that will be interesting um the the only part the only part is you picked up the mern stack so you you're 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 diving into react and i think that there are reasons for that whereas tonight i'm going to a meetup uh given by greg pollock of yeah. code school fame yep um and he's just started a, a view company um, on deciphering Vue.js. So he's going to dive into a little bit of the um, the, the guts of Vue. So it, it, it's going to be good to see it from that level. I don't know enough about Vue to say I'm not really interested in this. Um, I, I, I know enough about Ember that so far I'm like, Ember is not the way I want to go. Not that I, I respect the team that built Ember a lot. Um, they have ties to the Ruby community, and I have respect for the work they did there tremendously. But Ember has gone through a lot of iterations, and I don't know necessarily trust the stability of their framework compared to others. View has a very... And in the United States, it has a very quiet adoption um, relative to the fact that it is humongous in Asia and catching like wildfire in a lot of places. What I don't know is if React makes sense to me and Vue has the introductions I've had to it haven't looked as strong, but I just I'm ignorant on it. And that, I just have to admit, I don't have enough experience with it to buy in yet. So, so I, I, I'm willing to be convinced otherwise. Let me put it that way. So, yeah, and I, the the thing I'm seeing about Vue. So, I, I dabbled in React a little. Um, I'm dabbling in Vue now. The thing I'm seeing about Vue is I'm starting to see some thought leaders mm -hmm. um, that are pointing in the Vue direction. So that's that's making me think. Okay, if I if I get on the view train now, am I am I at the forefront or yeah. am I just laying across the tracks waiting to get run over by the React train? Well, I think, um, Will, we should have a discussion about stacks because you mentioned the Mern stack and I we both grew up on LAMP and yep. uh, then I moved to Rails. So we should talk about a future episode of stack decision making on behalf of leaders because what you're talking about right now matters for a leader even if he even if that person doesn't necessarily code they may have to either adopt a stack that is existed while they took a job before they took a job or adopt a stack on behalf of a team moving forward with a new project and there's a lot of thought that sure. goes into that so sure. i think we're just kind of segueing into a new episode um on this talk as it is so yeah um so we're pr pressing the pause button on on this on <laughs> yes. this one, and 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 we will we will bring it up at a future point. So, all right, I've got. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to go get any sleep. I've got. Let's see, about eight hours before uh, before we have to go down to the school. Um, some of that time is going to be cutting this uh, podcast together, yep. getting it ready so it can be published, um, and then the other part, another part is going to be going to this Vue.js talk. So, awesome. um, have a good weekend. And uh, we will talk again soon. Safe travels. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think Podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, 
please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week. We'll be right back.